0: Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. We're going to debate a player prop on the upcoming Thursday night game. All right, Tarek, I'm assuming you're going to call tails since I flipped the coin backstage, so I'm just going to defer the ball to you. We got a banger on Thursday. San Jose 49ers and my hometown Titans. Titans are plus three and a half. Home underdog in prime time. So we got George Kittle, Tarek. Over or under 68.5 yards.
1: Okay, okay. Slow down a second. Because first of all, it's just me and you here today, Mitch. That's, that's important to note. Second of all, let me get this straight. You flipped a coin backstage. You preemptively called tails for me because of course. And obviously it was heads because of course. and uh, But you're deferring to me. That's just the sequence of events that just happened.
0: Was that not obvious? Plain as day. Okay. I just I
1: just wanted I just wanted to make sure for everyone at home they, they knew the coin was flipped backstage.
0: <laughs> it was behind the specific stage in which I record, yes. And right,
1: uh, right, right, right. So George Kittle over under 68 and a half yards. And my response I think is gonna surprise you here. I'm actually gonna go under uh sixty-eight and a half yards. And look George Kittle's on a three-game tear, as George Kittle is wont to do. I think basically, like four out of the last six games since he came back from uh his injury, he has hit 68 and a half yards. So, based on maybe a little bit of regression that I'm betting on, and the fact that the Titans are actually pretty good against tight ends. I think they're in the top five. And that makes sense. You know, they got two good safeties in Bayard and Hooker back there. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if he hits the under on 68 and a half. Um, You know, I think it could go either way, but I think the underrated sharp money might be on the under.
0: Well, I'm taking the over because guess what? He's getting 69 yards on the dot. Uh, Yeah, that would make sense. Not another yard, not one yard less, certainly not 68 and a half yards. No, I I think Kittle might have a decent game. He's he, he might be targeted in the end zone, might put up a couple touchdowns against the Titans, but the yardage, yeah. Sixty nine seems right.
1: Okay. Okay. So you're 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 taking the razors edge there. Yeah. Sixty
0: nine. Yeah, I, I think that three and a half point spread's a little a little unfair, but we'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Well, spoiler alert about halftime, I guess Titans plus three and a half aren't going to come up in, in our halftime segment. But hey, we'll we'll just call that uh, pick number five because I agree with you there. Titans as a home dog in primetime is a little bit disrespectful, especially with AJ Brown coming back. As they say, go titties. What the absolute fuck is going on, Mitch Yates? Like I said in the open, it's just me and you. Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry-Tibin Shwea. With me, the lonesome, the one and only Mitch Yates. What's going on, bro? Oh,
0: I'm not, I'm not that lonesome. You're here with me, buddy. Whenever it's just the two of us, is it just me, or do you also hear that Austin Powers rendition of "Just the Two of Us" with uh, Doctor Evil and mini Me? I it just cues in my head every single time.
1: Yeah, I mean, now in the cultural zeitgeist of TikTok, uh, the only thing I can think of is like all all the trends of, you know, hearing the crystal raindrops fall, and you know, it's it's like a TikTok trending sound so that's all i can think about my memory from you know cultural moments like austin powers has just been completely wiped out by the application tiktok
0: is that the long-winded way of calling me too old we not hip anymore yeah
1: yeah i mean what you're like nine months older than me so that makes you a boomer dude
0: okay okay me
1: (laughs) okay okay (laughs) boom itch
0: oh
1: So we're going to we're going to get into this. Uh, We're going to start off this episode of the long game with a little bit of a bummer of a conversation uh, and the big news, probably the biggest news coming out of the week 15 slate was this surprise. Chris Godwin ACL tear. Yeah. The initial reports by Ian Rapoport were that he had an MCL sprain. He was going to be good to go for the playoffs, which wasn't good, you know, for your fantasy football playoffs. But if you're a dynasty manager of Chris Godwin, you were really excited by that news. And then, you know, a couple hours later, Adam Schefter comes on and is like, wait a minute, Ian, you idiot. He tore his ACL. So that was a huge bummer. Chris Godwin, in the last couple of weeks, he was getting like 15 targets per game. In that game against the Saints, he was on pace to have a similar type of game. And he was really looking the part of the PPR superstar down the stretch that was going to help a lot of people win championships. But alas, you know, we kind of have to pick up the pieces and figure out what are we doing with Chris Godwin moving forward. Mitch, what are your thoughts?
0: Uh, my thoughts are... With him, and I hope for a speedy recovery because that is a brutal injury at a brutal time for somebody that's on the uh, the franchise tag there Yeah, with Tom Brady, who, who's almost 100, I'm sure. Like, Tom Brady doesn't have very many seasons left, and he may not have any seasons left with Chris Godwin. Like, <sighs> Chris Godwin is so up in the air right now, and his value is as well, so... This sucks. This sucks for him. But I think there is some silver lining here. And that's, he's only 25 years old. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen team-wise, contract-wise, or in his future. But I do know that next year, he he's not going to be somebody that you should rely on coming back and helping your fantasy team, even towards the end of the year. If he does, great. But that's not something that you should put any sort of hope into. But in twenty twenty three, he's gonna be twenty-seven years old. I see a lot of value there. Say say you're gonna do a startup league this offseason. Well, if you there there are gonna be people there that are playing for twenty twenty three off the rip. Um right. Just the productive, productive struggle
1: type of people, right.
0: Exactly. So his value is going to be higher than you know, just an injured player out for the year. Um, He's going to be a good player to build around. So I don't think we should necessarily nuke his value. But right now, I don't really know if you can do much with him yet. So I don't know. What are you thinking, T?
1: Yeah, uh, I I like how you highlighted that he's only 25. And, you know, I think like you gestured to anything we get out of Chris Godwin in 2022 is gravy. Like I think you should expect for Chris Godwin to not contribute to your fantasy team, your dynasty team in 2022, and he should be fully healthy by 2023. Um, as far as like value in my initial, you know, relative nuking of Chris Godwin. I got him as a low-end wide receiver too, so he is wide receiver 24 in the wake of this news. That puts him around guys like Rashad Bateman, uh, older kind of aging guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Claypool, right? That's kind of the neighborhood that I put him in. Um, It's something to where I could see his value creep back up a la cam acres who we're going to talk about in a little bit here or a la you know one of the other injured running backs that it's like his value it actually doesn't really matter where i rank him we need to track where his value goes on places like keep trade cut and see where the floor is because what we know about players like chris godwin who go out for the year is that they establish a value floor and then from there it's almost like all upside right so the 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 sharp thing to do, I think, is try to find where his floor is, pay that price, and then just hold him as his value increases
0: right what do your What do your instincts say though, so when the trade window opens up, like what do your instincts say? What would you send for Chris Godwin? a second? Well, I would easily send a second easily yes. right so yes. I, yes. I don't think I accept that I would probably send two
1: seconds. Uh, like maybe one in 2022 or one in 2023, 23, two 22 seconds. A first is going to be difficult for me just because, you know, we expect him to not contribute much in 2022. Um, but I think by the time mid 2022 comes around, like October, November of 2022, I think he's going to command that value just based on the general trajectory of players like him in a recovery from an injury like this. Um so I think paying his basement price, which we're going to find out over the next couple of weeks, is it's you you pretty much only have upside from there, right? And even if he has a setback or whatever like Michael Thomas did, there's going to be pockets of time in which you can kind of at least profit off of what you paid based on on his basement price.
0: Yeah. I think a uh, 2023 first would do it for me either way, Okay. considering that he's likely going to be back in 2023 and he's likely to be better than most of those first round picks potentially will be that season, I'd say. Right. So right. if I were going into it with that mentality, I think I could get convinced on either side of that deal.
1: Right. And I mean, 2023 firsts are you know highly valued assets because it's generally seen to be a good class, especially at the running back position. But again, you know, if if you are looking at buying Chris Godwin for that price because you're targeting competing in 2023, you've still got a year and a half before that 2023 NFL draft happens. Exactly. Right. So you should be able to if you are an active dynasty manager to kind of get back in on that 23 draft. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Love that. OK.
1: OK. Well, uh, like Mitch said, we wish Chris Godwin uh, a speedy recovery. This is a guy that has done amazing things before he has turned 26. So hopefully he gets back by the time he's 27 and he's back to doing those wide receiver one things. All right, let's kick off this first half. And just as a reminder, as I do every week to our listeners, each week during the regular season, we've been kind of extracting two insights loosely from the slate of games. It's essentially just like dynasty insights that we think gives our listeners an edge on their league mates if they kind of, you know, take them into account as they're building their teams at all different phases of the season and the offseason. So me and Mitch, we're each going to give you two insights. And in this first half, I will kick it off with my first insight. I actually want to talk about the Rams running back situation because I think it's worth a little bit of a redux because these parts have been moving around all year in the market like hotcakes. And I think if we reflect a little bit, we can potentially take some lessons away. So Cam Akers, he was primed by many to be kind of the next top five workhorse. And then he gets hurt. Another bummer in the preseason tears his Achilles and his value tanks. According to Keep Trade Cut, his value went from running back six overall down to about a floor of running back 34. And right now he's running back 20. So that steady increase in value between running back 34 and running back 20, I think that should have been expected by everyone, barring like a very public setback. The workout videos, they've started to proliferate, and the sadness of the season has set in, like other running backs getting hurt, and that's pushed his value up. Now, Darrell Henderson, he was about running back 40 just before the Akers injury, so that was about the high-end handcuff territory. And he jumped to low end running back two value right after the injury and peaked in November at about running back 17. So he's on the downswing now with Sony Michelle taking most of that work. And while Sony is not as explosive as Henderson, he's he seemed to gain the trust of McVay. So let's talk about Sony Michelle, right? We talked about Akers and Henderson. Now Sony Michelle, he jumped from about running back 80. This is a guy that was just Dead in terms of dynasty value when he was still on the Patriots, he jumped to that mid-range handcuff range about running back forty-eight or so when he was traded to LA, and he's running back forty now, and he's probably ascending a little bit. With Acres coming back, to me the first insight here is that Sony Michelle value screams sell to me in non-deadline leagues unless you really need him for your championship run. I think you should be selling Sony Michelle, but. From all this information, I think what I want to offer is that the early offseason is still gonna be a good time to buy Cam Akers at that running back 20 to 24 value. There's so much ambiguity with Darrell Henderson's contract year coming, and if Sony Michelle will get re-signed to a nice backup deal, given you know his serviceable his serviceable play as of late. That I think early on Cam Akers is going to remain kind of valued as a low-end RB2, but I think that that value is almost guaranteed to rise, right? So of course there's risk of a setback that he's visibly not as explosive come week one of 2022, but I think there's a lot of upside that he becomes an RB1 or, or, you can get out for a profit before the games start next September, right? So, you know, I'll I'll stop talking right now. Mitch, you were high on Darrell Henderson. And back in November, when his value was peaking, you kind of rightfully challenged me and John to raise him in our ranks. And we did. So I'm just wondering how you're feeling about this entire Rams backfield situation.
0: I think you summed it up pretty well. But as where I feel on Henderson, I was high on him. And I watched the market catch up with where I was with Henderson right now that the market's up with me. No, it's it's time. to It's time to sell. Right. Like I was there. Right.
1: I mean, well, he's he's back down to like running back 30 now. Right. right.
0: So you're absolutely the the window is gone, but the trade window in most leagues is over as well. But looking looking forward to next year, I think the odd man out is easily Sony like you like you mentioned here um his value is whatever remains this year. Now, next year it is blurry. It's a muddy situation with Aker's coming back. Uh Henderson's already shown the capacity to just lose McVeigh's trust at a whim. Um mm-hmm. he he's often banged up, but at the same time he's like default the guy and does really well when he's the de- when he's the guy. He's been putting up really good fantasy numbers and been helping out a lot of fantasy teams this year so right honestly where i was with henderson was he was a inexpensive running back with a clear path to a starting job and that's what i liked about him now he's known about and like he's going to be too expensive so acres is more the guy that i'm going to be focused on because i i, I agree it's he's going to have to earn his time back with this team back with the back with the rotation of running backs and I don't think it's going to happen right away. It's, there's probably going to be a few games next year where all of these guys are getting touches and nobody's fantasy relevant, but if I'm going to bet on any of them, I'm going to bet on Acres to be the guy coming out on top now. And I know that's not consistent with what I said earlier in the year, but the situation changes and yeah. you got to change with the situation.
1: Right, you got to remain fluid. I think you know, one thing I wanted to talk about or highlight here is generally I'm not the type of manager who will buy a player in order to sell that player, right? We've talked about that multiple times on this podcast. It's come up a few times and I've kind of rubbed up against it a little bit. I think it's a risky play. The difference with a player like Cam Akers, and we've seen this over the course of the season, is that, like I said, his value is almost guaranteed to go up. He's kind of like a 2022 first, right? Between now and the draft, his value is going to creep up just because of the natural kind of flow of offseason hype. And when these more workout videos come out and Sean McVay talks about how great he looks and how he's going to step right back in, it's just, it's telegraphed, right? So I'm saying if you buy Cam Akers at running back 20 to 24 value, you retain the upside that he becomes a running back one again, but at the very least, you're going to have various outs that you can take. Right? It's just about identifying those outs. And also, let me let me say that um, Dr. Vignesh Doraswamy from Pretend GM. I was listening to his recent podcast, him and uh, Alfredo's recent podcast about uh, Cam Akers' value and what you know. Doctor Doraswamy says. Is that he, given the injury, would expect a little bit of a timeshare between Henderson and Acres in 2022, and then you know Acres having a shot at the workhorse role in 2023. So that's another you know thing we have to take into account. But as we move into off mode, it's less about the production we expect and more about what we think the market is going to do and how we can gain value out of that.
0: Yeah. I think I think we've kind of hashed this out too with the ETN conversation where I value guys like ETN and guys like Acres as stable assets right now and right I yeah I think it's great I do buy to sell I I will absolutely buy a player to sell them later like if the deal's available like if it's not then no worries at all but I mean that's all a part of being active
1: in in the breakout league uh, which we are in with those pretend GM guys. You know, I think we got Travis Etienne in the 13th round of that startup, right? Mm-hmm. Because we knew that his value only had room to grow, up, g- grow from there, right? So it's it's a similar situation.
0: We've been treating him as a draft pick. At, at, like when we think about him as an asset, like as a throw-in or like a first and a first, or how about instead of a first and a first, how about a first and Etienne, that kind of thing.
1: Right, right. Yeah. He we drafted what we would value as a 2022 first in the 13th round of a 2021 startup, right? So Cam Akers falls into that similar kind of conversation just because we know his value is on the rise.
0: And I think we can even tie what we were talking about with Godwin earlier, anybody that's in a, a startup when you draft Godwin, you're drafting a draft pick.
1: Right. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. All right, Mitch, uh, so let's move on to your first insight for Dynasty here. And I think uh, we're sticking with the Rams, right?
0: Oh, you know it, man. I just I I, I don't know if you guys have uh, seen this guy play football, but there's this guy named Cooper Cup. He's he's pretty good. So I, I think pretty decent. Yeah, I think we should talk about him. He likely saved a lot of asses or ruined a lot of playoff runs on Tuesday night. He definitely saved my ass in several leagues. So thank you, Mr. Cup. In previous pods, uh, we've advocated trading Cup away for A.J. Brown, and I think we gotta eat that one. (laughs) Cup is the number one overall player, not just the number one wide receiver. And we were all on board with that advice, so, oops. But we'll get to why that's not so bad later. Uh, We often advocate on the pod to sell when a player is at their peak value, and most of the time that's a sound strategy, but... With Cup, I can see the sell as a context-dependent situation. Like, I think he's truly a hold. A sell and a buy right now, depending on what's going on in your league. So, I wanted to set the table for a couple of trade scenarios, and we can go over what I mean. So, situation number one, the obvious sell. So, my current roster in our home league has me sitting comfortably in fourth place, about to square off with a first-seeded league juggernaut. I do like my odds, but regardless of how that game ends... I know my roster isn't deep enough to continue sustained success, and uh, selling Cup for a King's ransom is going to be what's necessary in the offseason to keep my team competitive moving forward. So, I know that. Now, whether the league is paying attention to my roster or not depends on who knows that as well, but I will be actively trying to move him uh, this offseason. So... Situation two, though, if you're planning on making a run in 2022 and he's already on your roster, like this is not the time to get cute. Like he's got magic going on with Stafford and there's no reason to believe it's going to expire in 2022. Like he's an absolute hold. He has the potential to be in this realm, uh, not necessarily like the number one player realm, but like top five wide receiver. And you're going to need a stud like that uh, for a fantasy championship run. So. He's a hold in this situation, but I'm also advocating the buy like at full price, no coupons. Like th- this goes back to the first example. There, there's a buy window if the manager rostering cup needs more pieces. So I know I would pay two first for cup. I would pay two first and Elijah or Rondell Moore for cup. But yeah. I really like how you laid
1: this out because saying Cooper cup is a sell a hold and a buy is just perfect because everything is contextual, right? And I think this is going to match up really well with what my second insight is. But firstly, I appreciate you saying we we have to eat kind of our advice about Cooper Cup earlier in the season. We all were like, yeah, go trade Cooper Cup for and a second for AJ Brown. Go do that for DK Metcalf, right? And you know, last two months has proved us a fool right like cooper cup is just a is a cheat code right so i would trade aj brown or dk metcalf straight up for cooper cup in any situation right now so i agree let me eat that i do think if you made that trade you know your consolation prize is congratulations you have aj brown you know that's not a bad place to be but right now in most situations I think that Eileen sell Cooper Cup, especially once the offseason comes, because it's just like we've said many times, it's a good dynasty process to kind of sell within the same tier and get an extra first on top. Right. If you can sell Justin Jefferson for CD Lamb in a first, I think you do that because you're just giving yourself more bites at the apple of being elite. Right. So that's kind of like in most situations, I agree. But I think. You laid out really well that there are plenty of situations where you should hold Cooper Cup, and you could even pay a premium for him.
0: So I want to look at what this premium is, right? So like we say, okay. we would pay this or or wouldn't pay that, but I want to look at uh, DLF's. Here, let me
1: yeah. This. So uh, while you pull that up, I will say you mentioned that you would pay two firsts and Elijah Moore for Cooper Cup, and I think that goes both ways. Like if I'm a Cooper cup manager and I don't necessarily feel like I have the depth to make like a really robust run at the championship in 2022, I would totally sell Cooper cup for Elijah Moore and two firsts. Right. But you know, I would pay that if I really felt like I could afford it. And that's really going to put me over the top in 2022 because even while Cooper cup, you know, you know, it's unlikely based on historic data that he repeats as the wide receiver one overall. Like you said, there's magic between Stafford and cup. If you watched that Seattle game on Tuesday, it was insane. Their, their connection. And it's been like that all year.
0: He's what? 28. Um, that yeah, there's plenty no, no reason to believe that this is going to end, uh, next year and or the year after. Exactly. Honestly. So, uh, I pulled up a couple of trades here on DLF and, uh, first one of course two first round picks for cup straight up smash smash mm-hmm. um yeah
1: <laughs> cooper cup side smash yeah
0: well then we got aj brown for cooper cup so yeah what we've it. been talking look, about
1: look like even if you are a rebuilding team and you want the 23 24 year old and aj brown i wouldn't do it because Cooper Cup. He just carries more value right now, so you need to be able to get more on top, or you need to go sell him to somebody else for even more than the equivalent of AJ Brown.
0: These trades are eh, here. I'll uh, I'll save my opinion for after. Uh, we got Cooper Cup for DK straight up. We have Cooper Cup for T Higgins in a third. Uh, oh, s- smash! Uh, Cup and Gronk for T Higgins, Hunter Henry in a second. Smash! It's so like. So what it seems to me is that what I would pay for him is an overpay, which seems wild to me, but I'll just right. keep going to see if we can find one where somebody else overpays. Here, here we've got a Cooper Cup for Amari Cooper, a first and a second.
1: No, give me Cooper Cup.
0: Yeah, still Cup on that one yeah. for me, too. Yeah. Wow, this is fascinating. Cup and Amon Ra for two firsts.
1: No, give me Cup and
0: Amon Ra. Uh, yeah, please. Yeah. And then... uh Cup and Fournette for two firsts and a second. Cup and Fournette. If I'm selling
1: Cup, I want like DK Metcalf in a first. Like I essentially want the equivalent of three firsts to get Cooper Cup off of my roster, right? And I think given what he's doing, you should be able to do that. And if you can't just hold, man, and prosper.
0: Yeah, and and that's, again, hold. I'm holding in almost every situation unless, unless I know that like I need to get that value, and that value, well, like I said, I think it's there, but looking at all these trades, I don't know It's it seems to me like you need to inquire with your uh cup manager after the season ends because uh it looks like some people are getting some great deals here on deals right and
1: if and if that cup manager is either Mitch or myself, uh no dice he'll kindly show
0: <laughs> you where the door is and uh forcibly remove you.
1: Oh man. Cooper cup. Just incredible. This, this guy is like, he's going to break Calvin Johnson's single season record. I mean, he's going to do it in 17 games, but still fucking Megatron dude. Yeah. Come on. Insane. All right. Mike check for it is halftime why did you do it you know you got the mad fat when you rhyme it's halftime all right so you know we went one and three last week which means uh trey is on a hard, hot streak i think he's gotten three in a row uh i've lost two in a row john's you know lost a couple in a row mitch i, I don't know where where you're at what maybe I'm like st- seven or eight in i a have row stopped at this point?
0: keeping track but i do recall no dice december still continues
1: you're killing it. You're killing it in in spite of yourself. No, all I'm
0: right. I'm killing our record in spite of all of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think now we are uh, two games under 500 for the season, but we got time. We got time. I, I, eternal optimist. And remember, we're, we're in the black, right? As far as the parlays go. So whatever. All right. So again, it's just me and Mitch here. So I'm going to dictate both my pick and John's pick, and then I'll hand it to Mitch for his pick as well as Trey's pick. Let's start with John. And he's going with his favorite team, right? The Los Angeles Chargers minus nine and a half points at Houston. So he is giving Houston 10 points. Here's what John says. I like a team fighting for the playoffs in the Chargers against a team fighting for draft position in the Texans. Although John says he's going to be really sad if the Chargers COVID situation explodes over the next few days. And Mitch, I think that's pretty much uh, unavoidable. I think COVID in general is exploding right now, so it probably shouldn't even really influence our picks.
0: Yeah. If anything, we should take the points, John.
1: Yeah. I mean, ten points is a lot to give away, but it is the Texans and you know, that like it's Davis Mills, right?
0: So it's theoretically, I again the Chargers, they're just one of those teams. You don't know if Jekyll or Hyde is gonna show up. Yeah.
1: So Mercurial, they're like, you know, the the Vikings of the AFC, right? Okay, so my pick Cardinals minus one and a half at home against the Colts. I don't really have a super interesting justification here. Look, the Cardinals put up an absolute fart fest against the Detroit Lions, and and they are being punished for it by this line. Vegas is punishing them for it minus one and a half at home. So, look, I'm just saying the Cardinals. I think they bounce back here. I think they take care of the Colts. And yeah, fuck hard knocks and fuck the Colts, right?
0: Amen. Fuck the Colts. And uh looks like Trey's got the Le Rams minus three at the uh, NFC Vikings. Uh, he says Matt Stafford should be in the... You mean, you mean
1: the NFC Chargers, right?
0: Oh, yes, yes. Well, they're in Minnesota. And Matt Stafford yeah, there should <laughs> be in the MVP conversation. Minnesota sucks. Kirk Cousins is a disaster waiting to happen. Trey likes that. Lock in LA minus three.
1: That seems like a smash to me. I don't I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm generally biased towards y'all's picks. So I always like I root for your picks and I want y'all to be smart. So I think this is a good
0: pick. I generally like Trey's and hate John's, but that's been kind of (laughs) how it's been working out anyway. So Trey, I like the pick. I'm a lover, even though my
1: nickname is Angry T. I love all of you and I love all your picks, even though, you know, we're wrong half the
0: time. Speaking of a pick, you you have to love me to love. Um, I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking the Detroit Lions, baby, plus six against the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta because you know what? Actually, no, I'm, I'm for real here. The Lions have been playing a lot of teams tough, and yeah, I like the way the Lions are looking as of late. I'll take the points because the Falcons, I do not like the way they've been playing. They've looked awful at times. If they want to let Cordero put up a couple hundred fantasy points, then I'll take that consolation prize. But I think Detroit can at least stave them off by less than three, I hope. Maybe no dice December depends on this. Come on, Detroit.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said that the lions just beat the Cardinals. (laughs) So, um, six, six points is a decent amount. I think what that's reflecting is that Vegas probably expects Jared Goff to miss the game with COVID, but you know, like Jared Goff is not a world beater and they're, you know, they're, they should be getting their running back core back. So six points is a lot. Like I, 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 You know, I love you and I love this pick. So it's one that I probably would have picked if
0: you didn't get to the draw first. Very well. And uh, I will say I would I would have taken the Titans this Thursday. I know we said that was our fifth pick. Three and a half seems disrespectful. But you know what? I got to get off that Homer bandwagon. Uh, They should have beaten the Steelers last week, but the refs had something to do with it. So I got to I got to get away from the Titans, man. I can't pick with my heart.
1: All right. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep an eye on that, and you know, if we go one and three or zero oh and four again, hopefully the Titans will win, and and we can hitch our laurels to that, I suppose.
0: I just want Trey to pick them again because whenever he picks them, they win. All right.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see if we can get an audible called in, you know, and we'll tweet out if if that happens. But, all right. That wraps up halftime, so just recap really quick. John took the Chargers minus nine and a half at Houston. I got Cardinals minus one and a half against the Colts. Trey's got Los Angeles Rams minus three at Minnesota. And Mitch is going with the lone dog on the week. Detroit plus six in Atlanta. All right, four and oh, we got it. And let's kick off this second half and we're going to pivot back uh, to me and my second insight. We're going to be shifting into the early offseason. You know, maybe in some of your leagues you're in the playoffs right now, but just by the law of averages in most of your leagues, you're probably out. So as we shift into the early offseason, let's talk about what that means. And basically it's value accumulation time, right? You're going to have a solid few months, January to April, before startup season happens. And that's generally startup season right after the NFL draft, kind of like May to August. So the season, uh, the NFL season is a grind. And a lot of dynasty managers want to take a breather for a month or two because they've got that fatigue And this is going to open opportunities for those of us that are degenerates who don't get tired of playing dynasty fantasy football. And even if you've got some managers in your league who aren't very engaged in the early offseason, they're often engaged enough to field trade offers that you do the groundwork for as the degenerate. So what do I mean when I say value accumulation mode? Generally, what that means is ignoring roster construction and team need, especially when it comes to the starting lineup, and focusing on acquiring rising assets. So how can you consolidate older, potentially declining players into one rising star? Inversely, how can you fan out the supernova asset into two or three rising stars, right? So in both kind of equations the rising star is the important part and I think the healthiest way to build surplus value in the early off season is to pursue these two strategies at once that means consolidating when it makes sense and liquidating when it makes sense to kind of use finance bro terms right as long as each move puts you in position to make subsequent moves all throughout the off season so Here's some like examples just out of the ether. Can you turn assets like Mike Evans plus Sony Michelle, who we talked about earlier, plus Odell Beckham, plus Adam Thielen into like Jalen Waddell in a second without getting too stressed that you're sacrificing depth because it's January. Who the fuck cares about depth, right? <laughs> so that's that's the one thing. Can you consolidate into a rising player like Jalen Waddle? On the other hand, can you fan out an asset like Jonathan Taylor, who is a supernova for DeAndre Swift and a 2023 first, knowing that while you're giving away an asset like Jonathan Taylor, you're positioning your team to have potentially two studs in your starting roster instead of one. So To build on an earlier point, could you turn Joe Mixon into Cam Akers and a first, whether in 2022 or 2023? So on the one hand, you have this expanding movement, and on the other hand, you have this contracting movement. And doing those two things in strategic ways, targeting the rising assets and kind of fanning out the supernova assets into multiple rising assets, that to me is what January to the NFL draft in April is all about is kind of like moving back and forth between those two things.
0: Tarek, I absolutely love that you did this segment because, A, I think that this is a segment that all newer dynasty players need to hear, but yeah. one that uh, even veteran dynasty players could take some value away from with uh, the applicable strategies of what to do during this time. So, first and foremost, this time period is very important. And I like that you just laid that out there, right? Like, uh, we've seen teams that have a good season and then take the the first two months off after, after the season's over. And I've watched all of those teams, like, just turn into dust. They miss that early window to uh, capitalize. Happens every year. It does. But this is the time, the very last time, to capitalize on anything valuable these players did in 2021 because right. once the draft happens and once free agency happens all these players their situations have changed like we always preach the situations change so this is your last moment to like to to hold on to whatever their current situation is and whether we like it or not situation does affect a player's value right. um and I and I love that you brought up the ignoring roster construction aspect as well because like like you mentioned like there's not going to be football for a while so going out and getting your guys going out and getting those players that you want to build your team around is it just takes precedent over oh man I really need a quarterback like you can figure out you can figure out your quarterback later if you really need a quarterback like it, you might not get all of the players that are on your wish list as well so you need to keep that wish list open And just getting into the conversations, several different conversations um, with these managers, letting them know that you're a player in the in your league and that you mean business.
1: Yeah, I mean, every trade and we've said this multiple times, you know, every trade is an opportunity to make your team better. And every trade that you're not a part of is an instance in which your team is uh, falling behind in the race. Right. So, you know, I think what I, at, at the risk of being pedantic, what I wanted to highlight in this section is that I think it's generally understood that in the early off season, you shouldn't worry about roster construction. You should just build value on your team. Why I wanted to bring in this insight specifically is because I think the general tendency with a quote unquote value accumulation is trading one piece For three or four pieces, right? Because you're giving yourself multiple bites at the apple. And what I wanted to offer here is that that's not always the case. And I think that we can like move back to the Cooper Cup discussion. Depending on the context of your team, there are certain moves that are consolidating moves where you're paying multiple pieces to get one piece that can also be value added to your roster in January, Versus it's all about positioning your team to make better moves down the road, right? So for instance, if you wanted to move Mike Evans, Sony Michelle, and Odell Beckham for Jalen Waddle, right? That's the consolidating move. But what that does is it positions you if you want to then trade Jalen Waddell for Elijah Moore, a first and a third, right? It's that movement of expanding and contracting from kind of declining to rising players. That's what builds value on your team. It's not just about the trading one for multiple.
0: I, I do find this interesting. I'm going to test your philosophy a little bit because, you know, you push me sometimes on not buying to sell, but you are admittedly somebody that loves value over everything, right? Oh, so,
1: God. I'm a, I'm a,
0: value scum you're a dirty little value scum and like yes (laughs) and here's the thing like there are some trades out there that I've made where I couldn't resist the value but I didn't like the player deep down okay I feel like that's the same thing because I think deep down you know you're buying that guy to sell
1: (sighs) yeah that's tough I mean I, (laughs) I I do it's like I often make the joke in like group chats or like after a trade goes down like They're all just numbers, to me, you know, (laughs) like men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie, you know, like it. So I I understand what you're saying here, but in general, it kind of connects to what you said earlier in terms of like maybe your wish list needs to expand or something like that. There are so many different permutations of moves that you can make to expand your roster's value that I don't even think you really need to buy players that you don't like. You know, like I think there's so many there's an such a ridiculous amount of moves that you can make. And I think that number of possible moves is underrated to the point where I don't think you really need to buy players you don't like.
0: Well, uh, unless I I know that like you have a player that Trey really wants, I'm going to buy him so I can dangle him in front of Trey until he buys him, you know, something like that. Right. So. I, there is, there is that aspect to it, but I think we're yeah. getting off the rails a little bit, aren't we?
1: No, not even, I mean, that just speaks to like deeper league dynamics, right? And it doesn't even have to be like, you know, me, you and Trey, we've known each other for 20 years, plus 20 years, right? So we know each other on a deeper level, but it, it, it doesn't even have to be like a specific player. Like if you know a manager in your league that is generally analytics minded, who likes guys that get a lot of targets, but doesn't really care about touchdowns, you know, the profile of player Very that they true. like, Very right? True. So it's, it's, it doesn't even have to be as like intimate as like you, me and Trey's relationship is. It it goes back to kind of understanding what is marketable in the mark, micro economy of your league. Right. And it behooves, the smart dynasty manager to tune into what those economies are, you know, that now that got off the rail. So
0: <laughs> I thought it was great. No, I was while we're popcorn. firmly
1: off the rails, let's get back on and move to your second insight, Mr. Mitch.
0: All right. Well, I'll just come out and say it then start your studs is bullshit. And <laughs> I think this weekend was a a good example of that. And I'm not even bitter because I disagree with this mentality entirely anyway. So I came out pretty unscathed this weekend, but it's a nice... Start your studs is just a nice, easy way to tell yourself to stop tinkering with your lineup and to go do something else. I don't think it's right. Like, your roster should have depth, it should have studs, and it should have those role players. And I'm advocating that if your stud is in a rut, it's time to pull them. Philosophically, I prefer riding the wave. Picking my spots, playing scrappy, plugging guys in like last week, Deonta Foreman over DJ Moore even though I spent a king's ransom to acquire DJ Moore. Um, you know, guys like Amon Ra, Hunter Renfro. Like, I love plugging those dudes into my lineups here. I'm also going to advocate benching dudes like Dak Prescott or Saquon Barkley for Tyler Huntley or Jeff Wilson Jr. I mean, by no means do I prefer the latter long term, but I do feel like championships are won by guys like this. So either way, it comes down to what you can stomach And personally, I cannot stomach knowing that I knew the right decision. And instead, I went with the chalk and I lost. And that's a hill that I'm willing to die on. But uh, Tarek, what hill would you prefer to die on?
1: We talked about this, you know, full transparency to the listeners. We talked about this for essentially, you know, the last several hours before recording. And it's interesting because it's kind of a redraft or at least a very granular like playoff insight like and what I think it expands to in terms of dynasty is don't fall victim to the sunk cost fallacy. Right. So the same person that would not trade Cooper Cup away for a King's ransom like DK Metcalf and two firsts is the same person that's going to start DK Metcalf stubbornly over you know, Hunter Renfro who's on fire or over Amon Ross St. Brown who's on fire. And, you know, I I understand the start your studs philosophy and, you know, Mitch, you kind of referenced it, but just to rehearse it, the basic thing is what you would be able to sleep better with. You know, Mitch, you said what you can stomach. I think most people, they're basically like, I would feel better if DK Metcalf bombed in my starting lineup versus exploded on my bench, right?
0: I feel like they'd rather blame DK Metcalf than themselves, though. but I'm sorry,' I'll, I'll step back. <laughs> That's
1: no, 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 no. I love that you interjected there because like what you're saying here is that that start your studs philosophy, it blinds people from making the obvious choice, right. So this week with Elijah Mitchell out, You know, Jeff Wilson is probably a better start against Tennessee than a lot of quote unquote studs. Right. But people are going to be so blinded by the philosophy of what they can stomach that they're that they don't make the safer and just as high upside play of starting a guy like Jeff Wilson or Amon Ross St. Brown. So I think it's really interesting to even though this is very granular from a week to week perspective to apply it to dynasty and just say like, just because you invested highly in a guy and you value him highly moving forward, doesn't mean that that's the guy you need to start in week 16 in your semifinals.
0: Right. And that's the, that's absolutely the point that I'm trying to bring to the table here is that in dynasty, we don't spend a lot of times discussing the things that are more important in like daily lineups or, redraft leagues which is a start and sit like the rosters are huge in dynasty usually you usually have a huge bench so the start the start sit is kind of dependent on how you've built your roster right so in the spirit of fantasy playoffs uh and this is what our holiday holiday episode merry yeah merry holidays everybody happy happy
1: festivus
0: yes for the for the rest of us uh i want to play a game let's do it Let's uh, let's do a start sit to close the episode.
1: Yeah, well, let's do it. We're you know, this is a one on one off the rails episode. Start sit on a dynasty podcast. I fucking love well, let's it. Do let's it. do it.
0: All right. um, right. Let's go. Amon Ross St. Brown or DK Metcalf. Who you got this week?
1: OK, so the Lions are playing the Falcons and the Seahawks are playing the Bears. The bears. Yes. Ooh, yeah. I'm, give me Amon Ross St. Brown. If, if I'm making that decision in the semifinals of my dynasty playoffs, I'm playing Amon Ra St. Brown over DK Metcalf. Sue me.
0: I, I agree with you 100%. Amon Ra is on a heater. And look, I, I don't feel this way. Like DK is still one also of Also, my... TJ
1: Hawkinson not coming back. He is out, mm-hmm. right? So Amon Ra, outside of Swift, he is the primary receiving option. Yeah.
0: And look, I like DK Metcalf all day over him, like in the future, but... Right now, if I'm going for that ship, give me a Monra
1: As a start sit, don't trade no, DK Metcalf away no, from Amon no. Ra, St.
0: Brown. Yeah, All right. Yeah. And then I mentioned this earlier. So, or I think we both did, but we both agree. Jeff Wilson Jr. over Saquon Barkley, right?
1: Jeff Wilson against the Titans and the Giants are playing who?
0: Eagles. Eagles.
1: The Eagles. Yeah. Give me Jeff Wilson, Je- man.
0: Jeff Wilson Jr. over Saquon Barkley. Let's do it. All yeah.
1: Right. Sa- Saquon has not had any room to run,
0: man. No. Uh, He's had some like like brilliant plays like individual plays and like it makes me believe in him going forward like next year potentially but my god I'm I could not feel good about starting him in a playoff team right now
1: okay more give me more
0: Dalton Schultz versus Noah Fant
1: okay so Dalton Schultz is like a tight end two in Dynasty and Noah Fant is like a top eight tight end in Dynasty give me Dalton Schultz every day
0: yeah he just put up like 20 last week right
1: Yes, he helped me uh move into a semifinal matchup. So, yeah.
0: Very sweet. good. Very good. All right. Um Hunter Renfro versus AJ Brown. AJ Brown's coming back this week.
1: Ooh, Hunter Renfro versus the Broncos, AJ Brown versus the 49ers on Thursday night. Yeah, I'm I'm going with a, with Hunter Renfro in a PPR. Are you really?
0: Yeah. Before the show, you you went with AJ Brown. What's the what's the deal?
1: Uh, man, <laughs> Yeah, we talked about this before the show, and I, I I think just like Hunter Renfro has shown a better floor than AJ Brown all throughout the season, and just as high of a ceiling, right? So why why should I not choose Hunter? It's Renfro just
0: there? AJ Brown is such a difficult start this week specifically. I mean, we're talking we're talking today, like when you're listening to this episode, AJ Brown's gonna be playing today, Thursday. Like you can't you can't feel good about that start, can you? Yeah,
1: no, I'm I'm going Hunter Renfro. He he had a down week last week, uh, on on Tuesday, but uh, or no, I guess that was on Monday.
0: Uh, Who can who can tell these days?
1: But yeah, I think you know Renfro has proven uh, himself. A couple weeks ago, I gave you shit for your ranking of Renfro as like wide receiver Mm thirty-four. Guess what, y'all? He is my wide receiver thirty-six in Dynasty right now. So well done, Mitch. Thank you, thank you.
0: All right. Uh, Here's a tough one for me just because Dak has been killing me in a couple leagues, but Dak Prescott or Tyler Huntley.
1: OK, so we're assuming that Lamar Jackson misses again with that ankle injury. Yes. <sighs> Dak Prescott's in a bad way right now, man.
0: He's put up like 10 or 11 points in the last three games. Yeah. Each game. Yeah.
1: And Tyler Huntley was the QB one overall last week. Yeah, This was. is one of those where I don't mind either way. You know, I. I I honestly like if you're a start your studs type guy, I'm not going to blame you for Dak. Uh, If you're kind of a a little bit more of a pick your spots guy, uh, I I'm not going to blame you for Huntley. So if it were on my team, I would be probably fatigued enough with Dak at this point where I would go with Tyler Huntley and just put my chips in.
0: Yeah. There's a redraft league that I'm in the semifinals in that I'm searching the waiver wire for whoever I'm starting instead of Dak. I just, I can't put up another 10 or 11 points, man. I'm going to ride some sort of, some guy. Tune in next week. We'll find out how that went. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right, you got one
0: more here for me. I do. This is actually my favorite. Uh, Russell Wilson versus Justin Fields. They're playing each other.
1: Yeah, uh, this is Justin Fields for me.
0: You think he's arrived?
1: You know, I I was talking to, or we were talking to John in our group chat earlier today, and he made the point that when they have been letting Justin Fields just let it rip, he's he's looked like Ohio State Justin Fields, Looks so good. I think Fields has a higher floor than Russ at this point, and that Seattle team is just out of whack right now, so if I'm putting my season on the line, like give me the rushing floor of Fields as well as the ceiling that he's demonstrated a couple times over the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, Fields all the way for me, and I gotta feel good um, going into the offseason if I have Justin Fields shares got to feel pretty good about that early in the year was pretty pretty shaky business being a fields manager but
1: well okay so you talked last week about uh, Trevor Lawrence and how you were going to kind of be buying Trevor Lawrence this offseason straight up in a vacuum I mean it's quarterback to quarterback so it doesn't even need to be a vacuum Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields moving forward
0: I am still on team Lawrence okay and it took me a big deep sigh to say that and (laughs) i mean that that's gonna be a fun topic of conversation that's gonna it's gonna be one of our off-season topics i'm sure um for sure
1: for sure we'll have to do like a rookie review and uh the quarterbacks are going to be fascinating
0: you know i love them both though i think those are the two that like i don't know what's going on with trey lance i don't think any of us do and uh what what did uh, John call him? Baby Jet,
1: <laughs> Zach Wilson. Yeah. yeah, Baby Jet. I think, and you know, Mac Jones. He's he's kind of he's reached an apex of value. And I think if you can if you can get either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields for Mac Jones right now, you you got to run to these. Yeah, except.
0: you better go do that.
1: Okay. Well, yeah that that last insight was was interesting. "Quote: Start your studs is bullshit." End quote. I love I love it. That's how it is. Next week, we need to bookmark all these start-sit decisions and we should. see how we, we did. Should. I yeah. like that. So let me recap it for the listeners as to close the show out. Amon Ross St. Brown over DK Metcalf. We were in agreement about that. Jeff Wilson over Saquon Barkley. Agreement. Dalton Schultz over Noah Fant. Agreement. I was close on AJ Brown and Hunter Renfro, but we both agreed start Hunter Renfro over AJ Brown. Um... I hedged Dak versus Huntley. If, if Lamar is out, are you going Huntley?
0: Uh, yeah, but you know what? I'm going to say that Dak Prescott finishes a quarterback two this week. Okay. So I, I would say if you think somebody else can finish quarterback one and they're on your bench or available, then that's the guy I'm going with anti-dack this week and
1: finally justin fields over russell wilson we were also both in agreement about that so we'll we'll give our report card next week but uh for this week that was episode 36 of the long game dynasty podcast thank you guys for listening we will see you next week have a happy festivus
0: happy festivus